This episode of The Ziggler Show is brought to you in part by Biz Filings. If you're going to earn a dollar on your own, get incorporated. The benefits are just significant, but get it done right and save yourself hassle. Biz Filings was founded by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs, and they break it down step-by-step step with support from on-demand experts to help you get it done. Take the next step today with a free guide at bizfilings.com slash start. Friends, welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and it is my unique privilege to bring today's profound message to you. The Ziggler Show is founded on what Zig Ziggler, the world's most prolific motivator, devoted his life to, inspiring your true performance. You can have the best tools, uh, resources, and even opportunity, but unless you are truly inspired, you'll be hopeful but remain where you are. What is the definition of inspired? Listen to this. To influence or animate with an idea or purpose. Did you hear that? Animate with a purpose. If you want to take action, you have to know and be motivated by true purpose. That's deep, folks, and it is why you are here. Let's dig in and change your world so you can change this world. We need all you've got to offer desperately. Today I bring you show number 344 and a special guest. The title of the show is Being Trustworthy Doesn't Mean People Trust You. So when you talk about morals and ethics and doing the right thing, you're talking about integrity. You're, you're talking about trust. I think most people consider themselves to be trustworthy. I mean, they don't blatantly lie or cheat or steal. Uh, they do try to do the right thing. And they're honest even when nobody would know or see them. But that's not really fully the point here. Being trustworthy is one thing. Having people actually trust you is another. I mean, you can be worthy of trust, but not really have it from others. Uh, and why? Well, it's because you're doing some key things wrong that erode people's trust in you. And that puts dings in your integrity, which, as you're going to hear in this show, is one of the greatest assets you can have for your own personal progress and success, bottom line. But the good news is you just need to become aware of your blind spots in this area and correct them, which won't be hard again, because as we talked about, you're already trustworthy, right? Now we're just going to benefit from that uh, and make you trusted. I'll tell you about our guest right after mentioning Mile IQ. My wife just took an independent contractor gig at a children's learning research center that she just loves, but it's about 25 miles away and she's going down two to three times per week. And that's a lot of miles to keep up with uh, and critical to do so for tax deductions. She's a, a, an independent contractor again. And so you want to benefit from that. Mile IQ automatically tracks and logs your miles, making sure Every dollar is accounted for, leaving you to focus on what's important. So you guys can try Mile IQ for free today by texting ZIG, Z-I-G, to this number, 31996. Okay, so text ZIG to 31996. Let me introduce you now to Chris Widener and lead off by sharing this about him. Okay, Zig Ziglar. Uh, as you know, considered to be the greatest motivational speaker of the 20th century, personally chose Chris to co-host his television show called True Performance. Chris uh, has two books, The Angel Inside. Actually, has more, but the two books of his, uh, The Angel Inside and The Art of Influence, are the only two fiction books that Zig endorsed in his entire life. I mean, that testimony right there should solidify your commitment to listening to this show. And if not, with whatever level of trust you have in me, I implore you to listen. I mean, this topic of integrity is paramount, and Chris just does an incredible job of unpacking it. You're going to get clued in on why some people have so many doors open to them and others with comparable or better skills and abilities don't. Uh, those with comparable integrity don't, and why? So Chris has done a lot of things, if you don't know Chris, but one you'll hear about in this show involves a small publishing company he started called the American Community Business Network in the 1990s. Uh, Chris changed that name to Made for Success and grew the company into a large business selling tens of thousands of personal development programs through large retailers like Costco, Sam's Club, Walmart, Target, and Barnes & Noble. 
He sold that business to his partner in 2009 to focus on his speaking, writing, and coaching exclusively. So you'll hear a little bit about that in the show. Uh, But you can see more on Chris at Chris Widener, C-H-R-I-S, Chris Widener, W-I-D-E-N-E-R.com. So I've got two different clips for you today. And then our main interview with myself, Tom Ziegler, and Chris Widener. Real quickly, I just want to thank you guys, though, for listening and sharing this show with others. Uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin was recently with us, and he said in that money is a certificate of performance. Well, well, folks, our show, the download numbers and iTunes rankings, they're certificates of our performance uh, for us. And we normally sit in the top 15 in top business podcasts in iTunes and are often in the top 200 podcast rankings just for overall podcasts globally. Uh, But the past week, we uh, were sitting at around number nine, number 10. And the past two days have been sitting at number five in top business podcasts in iTunes, just literally one or two behind Dave Ramsey and Tim Ferriss. Uh, and, And then have been in the top 80 in overall podcasts. Again, overall, every podcast. I mean, that's just walking in tall cotton, as my dad, Dan Miller said, and posting a response about this on Facebook. Uh, We've had a a number of incredibly encouraging reviews posted in iTunes. And I just, I say that all to thank you. Thank you immensely. Uh, I and the whole Ziegler family are just incredibly honored and humbled and and mainly thrilled to see people hungry for this Ziegler message of inspiring true performance. All right. Well, hey, we are going to lead off right now. This is a five-minute clip, folks, of Chris Widener interviewing Zig and asking what part does integrity play in true performance. So listen in for this primer, and then I will bring you part two. Here with me today is the founder and creator of True Performance, Zig Ziglar. Zig, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to be here as well. Let's talk about integrity today, specifically as it relates to true performance and personal development. What part does integrity play in true performance? Well, just everything, uh, and that's almost an instant summation of what it is. True performance is revealed in your integrity and who you are, and it's something you have every day. It's not once a week. It's what you perform at every day, and that's using the ability you have in order to perform in a way that will please not only your own ego, but also by more standards, the people that you're working with and for. Mm. As you probably know, our watchword is you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm. You know, integrity is one of those words that a lot of people use, but I'm not so sure people have ever given real thought to. You know, what does integrity mean? Integrity basically is basic wholeness. In other words, it's consistency. Uh, Integrity has so many benefits when you live a life of integrity because with integrity you do the right thing. That means there's no guilt. With integrity you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. Now, you think about it for a moment. Uh, something like 90% of all of the visits to medical doctors is the direct or indirect result of stress. Now, when you do what I've just said, uh, that stress is dramatically reduced. That enables you to have true performance every day of your life. With integrity, you have nothing to fear because you've got nothing to hide. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. Emerson said, and for those people who are ambitious to move up, he said uh, that When you do the right thing, people look and watch, and you don't have the fears that other people have. And he points out directly that if you would lift me up, you must have integrity. You must do the right thing because you must be on higher ground is what he's really saying. What are some of the main things that they struggle with in integrity, and how can they overcome those? They struggle with it because, unfortunately, it's not being taught from the first grade on up, as our founding fathers did when the public schools were founded. Uh, In the first 200 years, according to the Thomas Jefferson Research Institute, over 90% of the educational thrust was of a religious, moral, ethical base. By 1950, the percentage was so small you could not even measure it, and by 1960, it was anti-integrity in a way, certainly anti 
anti-Christian. And that's the reason we have so many of these corporate scandals and government scandals, because we're not taught from the beginning this is the right way to do it. One of my favorite quotes is G.K. Chesterton. He says that uh, original sin is the only philosophy empirically validated by 3,500 years of human history. <laughs> you know, we've, we've got it sort of in us, this natural bent towards breaking integrity. How can we work toward developing integrity in our own lives? Well, it's what our input is in our mind. You're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. When you feed your mind on good, clean, pure, powerful, positive, ethical information, then it's natural that you will be responding in the way you have been taught. Uh, It's interesting to note that uh, the first 200 years of our country's life, that was what was taught in a very specific way. And that's the reason, in my opinion, that less than 3 million Americans were able to produce Washington, Madison, Jefferson, Hamilton, Franklin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's what they were taught. We've got to go back to the basics, back to the 1700s, if you will, please. So if, if there's people watching today, business people who are saying, you know what, I really want to work on my integrity. And you mentioned what we put in. What would be a plan of attack that they could start immediately that says, I want to work on my integrity. Zig says that I need to put good things in. What would you recommend for a, a plan for them to begin to develop those kinds of things? Uh, I would suggest that they choose their heroes in life, those who did great things in the right way and follow their example in teaching and learning those things because example is by far the best teacher. And when they find a hero, for example, in my own life, uh, God placed 26 men and women in my life in such a way that I was able to observe and learn from these men and women. The association of the right people is a tremendous thing to do. When you, uh, you know, uh, associate with the wise, then the wisdom creeps up on you. Uh, But if you fool around with those gangsters, those crooks and all, feed your mind on pornography and all the bad stuff, you can absolutely count on it. You got problems down the road. Okay, folks, following that clip, let's get deeper into the issue, all right? So here, uh, just after after this one, now I'm going to bring you Chris alone. This is Chris speaking to a live audience, and he teaches how two of the most important factors in your ability to influence others are your integrity and personal standards of excellence. So this is a nine-minute powerful clip uh, that afterwards then Tom Ziegler and I will break down further with Chris directly. Now, integrity is one of these words that you banty around, but it's one of those things that's hard to define, isn't it? Now, you can throw other words out, but those are then have their own definitions, honesty, things like that. But I ran across something a number of years ago that I found fascinating in opening up my mind as to what integrity was really all about. Now, I want you to transport yourself back to high school math you can do that. It's difficult for me to do, but all the way back to high school math. Now let's break the word integrity down to its root word and let's ask ourselves, is there a math term that reminds us of the word integrity and the root of it? An integer, okay? Everybody always gets that. Every time I say it, people say integer. And then I always say, okay, smarty pants, what is an integer? And people scratch their heads a little bit. What's an integer? Whole number. Somebody said it. It's a whole number. Now you're saying, where are you going with this, Chris? Integer integrity. They share the same root word, which has to do with being whole. If something is whole, it is undivided. It means it doesn't have two parts. To have integrity simply means this. It means you don't live an undivided life. It means you don't tell the truth in some situations and then shade the truth in other situations. It means you don't pay your taxes on some of your income and then not pay your taxes on some of your income. It means you don't treat some people like this, and then you treat other people like this. It means that you live your life in such a way that it is whole. 
Now, one of the jobs that my mom had as she was growing up, as I got older and began to play varsity sports, she decided to get out of real estate and she got into working at the mechanical engineering department at the University of Washington. And we used to work, uh, we used to have over for Thanksgiving all these students who would come from all around the world to study mechanical engineering. And one of the things that they studied in their structural engineering classes, being from the state of Washington, we have lots of hydroelectric dams. And we would see all of these uh, uh, studies and research reports and doctoral theses on, on all the different kinds of things that have to do with mechanical engineering. One of the things that I remember is they always used to talk about cracks in dams. Because small cracks can't bring down a dam. But big cracks can. And we all know that small cracks left unchecked always become what? Big cracks. And what do they talk about? They talk about the integrity of the structure. The integrity of the structure is compromised by a small crack. And many of you, you, you might say, well, wait a minute, I don't have any you know, glaring integrity issues. But I would ask you, as I ask myself, and we should always ask ourselves, is do we have any small integrity issues? Because the problem with small integrity issues is they become big integrity issues if we don't deal with them. And big integrity issues are what bring down our lives. Have you ever sat back and said, how do people perceive me and my integrity? Do the words that I speak match the actions that I take? The second thing that I found amongst people who are highly successful is excellence. They have an undying striving to be excellent at whatever it is that they want to do. They will work hard and work hard and study hard. They'll do everything they can to achieve excellence in their life. Now, there's all sorts of areas that we can have excellence in. We can have excellence in our, our physical life. The way we take care of our bodies. We have excellence in our work. We have excellence in what you're studying this weekend. We have excellence in our emotional life. We have excellence in our spiritual life. Have you ever done an excellence check? Because you know what? For successful people, good is not good enough. In fact, I like to say that good isn't good. Good is bad. Why is good bad? Because good will always keep you from getting to the best. If you will settle for good, you will never get to the pinnacle of what it is that you're trying to achieve. Now, here's another thing about excellence. Excellence is a choice. Every single person sitting here today could say, I want to achieve excellence in this area, this area, this area, and this area. And then just ask yourself, would I be classified as living an excellent life in this area? Now, some of the areas, you're already living an excellent life. But some areas, you might say, you know what? I I need to change this particular area of my life. I need to make what I call an excellence upgrade. I need to take my life to another level. And it's all by choice. There's a quote that uh, Rocky quoted, and a, a similar quote to that Dwight D. Eisenhower was talking about the history of free men. He said the history of free men is never really written by chance, but by choice. Their choice. You choose what your life is going to be. Isn't it amazing that you can write your history right now Some of you are 10 years away from passing on from this world. Others of you are 40 years. Others of you are 50 years. And every part of the spectrum in between. But you can determine how you will be remembered when you pass on from this life by what you do right now. You get to write your history so that on your deathbed you look back and say, I wrote what my life was going to be. I made a choice and I disciplined myself. And I lived my life. There was a stage in my life when I heard a speaker down in Dallas, Texas, and he said, it's all my choice, and I get to determine what my future is going to be, and in the end, my history will have been what I wanted it to be. And I said that day, I'm going to get myself physically in shape. I'm going to quit smoking. Or I'm going to go back to school. Or I'm going to take care of that relationship, which I've let go, and it's deteriorated. I'm going to choose what my life is going to be and I'm going to make it something of excellence. Now, you know what? There's an old saying that says you can't judge a book by its cover. Now, the fact is is that every single person in here has a book inside of them. I don't mean a literal book. I don't mean that you're going to write a book. But I view each and every person as a, a living embodiment of stories. You've all had tremendous stories. You've all had hardships. You've all had great, great successes. You all, if we could spend just a few moments with each other, could teach each other great lessons of life. You have a book inside of you. And people can learn from you. People can grow. And, and you know what? We could put you up here on stage and you might only have one story, but you could tell a story that other people could learn from. But I would ask you this question. 
The old saying says you can't judge a book by its cover, but we all know that even though that sounds terrific, we all do it, right? We all take a look and we judge books by their covers. And I would ask you this question. Is your cover, is your presentation, is the way you lead your life on an initial basis, when people see you and hear you and listen to you, are they saying, I don't want to read that book? Or have you positioned yourself in such a way that they say, hey, that person is interesting. That person has a good attitude. That person is, you know, that person's great. I'd like to get to know that person more. So that they open the cover and they learn from you and you develop a relationship and you learn from them. Again, it's a choice. You ask yourself, what could I do to upgrade my life so that people will want to know me? Because success in this life is all about relationships. It's all about the ability to connect with other people because there is no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. We all need each other. And the way that we do that is we upgrade ourselves into excellence and people want to go with you. Now, here's what excellence will do in all of these. Integrity, excellence, and the other things we're going to talk about is it attracts other people. The one thing that I've found mostly about successful people is they don't necessarily even go out looking for it. See, there's one sort of school of thought that says, well, I got to go out and get success. And there is an aspect of that. We want to be tenacious and, and all those types of things. But one of the things I found most about successful people is even though they're willing to go out and they do go out to get it, more often than not, they attract it. See, I believe that every single person is either being attracted to you or repelled from you based on who you are in your character and your skills. We attract people or we repel people. To the degree that you can change your life, so that people are attracted to you, your, your business is going to grow, your, your skills are going to grow, your knowledge base is going to grow, you're going to become the type of person that other people want to do business with, they want to follow, they want to become like. It's all about attraction. See, one is about personal, uh, one is about persuasion techniques. What can I do to these other people? But what I'm talking about today and what I found amongst the most successful leaders is it has less to do with persuasion techniques and it has more to do with personal transformation. If I work harder on myself than I do on my job, as, as Jim Rohn would say, people attract. If you want to attract loyal people, Jim would say, you become loyal. If you want to attract disciplined people, you become disciplined. Because like attracts like. Ask yourself what kind of person you'd like to hang out with. And then make yourself like that person and it all begins to work together. All right, now we're ready to get into the nitty gritty and, and make this personal for you. How are you hurting your trust with others? How can you bolster it and start getting the open doors and opportunities that you desire? Ready? Okay, so here we go. This is Tom Ziegler and myself with Chris. All right, so Chris, before we get into this, I want to ask you about your own personal Zig story. I mean, how did you come to find and be influenced and get involved with, with Zig and the Ziegler team like you have? Well, you know, I think most of us usually first find Zig uh, through one of his audio recordings or hearing him speak or reading See You at the Top, which is the classic, right? Oh, and yeah. so all of those things. But the personal uh, relationship really started through, uh, through Tom. Um, we were putting together, a business partner and I were putting together uh, audio packages around personal development and selling them through Costco and Sam's Club. And we decided, my partner and I, that we wanted to make Zig the primary person in almost every single one of those audio programs uh, that we sold. I think we ended up with 18 or something like that, that we were selling through the Costco and Sam's Club. We were selling 30 to 50,000 units a month. And, and so we were doing business with, uh, with Ziggler Corporation by licensing some of the materials that Zig had produced and selling them. Uh, in packages through the big box retail stores. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I ended up with a television show down in Dallas, <clears throat> and it was on a, a company called PSPN. And I think they approached Zig about doing uh, the true performance show. And Zig and Tom uh, talked, and, and Tom came to me and said, you know, Zig would like to have a, a co-host, and you're already there, and we love you, and we're doing work with you already, and what would you think? And I said, you know, I let me think about it. Okay, I'm in. And uh, I tell people, I tell people the first time I ever walked into that sound studio and there was Zig, right? You know, the legend and the godfather of all motivational speakers of all time. And I tell people, it felt like a priest who'd been called to the Vatican to serve communion with the Pope. I mean, like here I was this like, you know, that was, I already had a pretty decent career going, but, uh, but here I was getting an opportunity to work with just a legend and not just a legend in terms of 
of his profession, but just a man who I had admired and, and admired his life and, and his relationships with his, his spouse and his kids and people. And it was just uh, one of the most profound times of my life. Those uh, year or 18 months that we worked together was, uh, was just really incredible and, and, and such a great privilege to be able to work with Zig and, of course, Tom and, and the rest of the team. Well, and, and as I told people in the you know at the beginning of the show, that obviously led to him personally choosing you to to co-host that uh, television show, True Performance. So uh, yeah. that says that says a dramatic amount, of course. Well, you know, on this interview that we just listened to with you and Zig, and then your ensuing uh, talk on stage on integrity. I mean, that's a term we all hear about, but. As I as we really break it down, I I see I don't think people really conceptualize what is integrity, and so I want to get in there. Why? What it is? Why does it matter? What can it do for your success and your peace? I, mean, I think it's easy for people to go, oh, "Gosh, if if you lack integrity, you're not trustworthy." You know, maybe you're dishonest. Give us a bigger, broader understanding and definition of what you have in mind when you're really on the platform talking about integrity and the power and the need for integrity. Yeah, well, you know, one of my favorite Zig quotes is money isn't everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. I'd say the same thing with integrity, right? Uh, it's foundational. In fact, uh, I teach a, a seminar called Winning with Influence. It's 12 characteristics of people who become successful in influence, whether it's leadership or sales. And I, and I always start by saying this. There's one, number one, and the other 11 you can put in whatever order you want to. The, the number one is integrity. And the reason why is because integrity breeds trust. And the basis of any relationship, uh, whether it's personal relationship or business relationship, but let's talk business right now, uh, any relationship between a leader and a follower, because leaders influence followers, and a seller and a buyer, because sellers want to sell for buyers, the foundation is trust. And the way you gain trust is through integrity. And here's the interesting thing. Integrity, uh, you know, I always tell tell people that influence is the ability to change other people's thoughts, beliefs, and actions. And the way that you change people's thoughts, beliefs, and actions is the ability to um, demonstrate yourself as trustworthy so that they listen to you, so they follow you, they respond to you, they engage with you. And if you can't do that, then you're in trouble. Um, I would tell people, you know, if you're a salesperson, you can get one sale without integrity. You know, your car sales. A guy walks on the lot and says, yeah, you know, it's going to get 100 miles to the gallon, and you're never going to have a problem. It's going to last 400,000 miles. Well, when they find out it gets 20 miles to the gallon and it breaks down at 40,000 miles, you will have gotten one sale. Mm -hmm. But you won't have lasting, sustaining success. If you tell them the truth and you give them, and you give them accurate information and they trust you, you'll not only get that one sale. But you, then you'll get their spouses, you'll sell their spouse a car, you'll sell their brother-in-law a car, you'll sell their kids a car, you'll, you'll sell them their second car when they come back four or five years later for another car. So you can be temporarily successful if you define success as making the sale or, or making some money. But you cannot have long-lasting, significant uh, success without having trust because that's, trust is what makes people keep coming back and buying more, and, and buying again, and referring their friends, and their relatives, and their co-workers. And it, it's just purely foundational to any success in business, particularly for those who are thinking about influence in regard to being a leader, or selling products and services. It, it's, I don't know how you can go on and on more and more, other than just to say it is purely foundational to success in business and in life. Chris mentioned influencing and leadership, which is a primary focus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. So I'm going to make a call out to them. They believe that people are the main drivers of success and are devoted to training them up. They offer a 100% online master's degree in organizational leadership that can be completed in as little as one year. It's an alternative to an MBA that focuses on people and culture. What's best, it's rooted in Christian ethics and biblical principles. Businesses need leaders who are able to inspire and motivate others to reach new levels of accomplishment. Concordia University of Wisconsin's online programs are are specifically designed to help their students keep their life in balance. They offer unparalleled individualized support and an online learning experience that encourages lifelong connections with your peers. So uh, visit, you ready? Online.cuw.edu slash Ziegler for more information. Or you can call 855 976 
4343 and use the offer code Ziggler and they'll waive the $50 application fee. Well, so uh, those markers, uh, and that's what I want to get into here, those markers of integrity and those aspects of trust and what what erodes trust that we don't know about those are those are kind of why we're wanting to get here i mean when you talk about integrity you said the word in your in your talk about it's being whole and it's being undivided and that really kind of captured me there uh, undivided and so right. we always have those terms of you know business and personal work and home uh, private and public you know when i'm with this person or that when my history is known or not married and you know when i'm when i'm not with my spouse how do i act treating some people one way others another i mean undivided and so i know the word authentic fits in there but I, I think I see Chris. I mean, so many people have and kind of expect that you have different faces for different places. You know who you are at work, uh, who you are with coworkers, and who how you may act with the boss. You know who you are at home, who you are with family, who you are at church. So, are you saying that having integrity, being fully whole, is in some aspects it's wearing the same face no matter where you are? Yeah, absolutely. And and the way I get that that terminology, whole and undivided, it stems from something I found, oh, probably 10 years ago now. Um, if you go back to the root word of integrity, it shares the same root word as an old math term that we all learned in junior high and high school, integer. So integer and integrity have the same root word. And in my, in my, uh, in my seminars, I like to ask people, you know, what's that word? And people will always shout out integer. Well, that's the easy part. And then I say, okay, smarty pants, what's an integer? And I kid you not, I've asked probably a million people this question over the course of time in, in public seminars. And I've had less than maybe 10 or 15 people be able to tell me what an integer is. Well, an integer is a whole number. It's complete. It's undivided, right? It's divisible by itself, right? So it's a whole number. So I translate that over into integrity. It means that you are whole, complete, or undivided. And here's a better way to look at that, to unravel it a little bit. It means that you operate out of a single set of morals, ethics, and values not a dual set of morals, ethics, and values, or some people, three or four or five sets of morals, ethics, and values. It means you don't treat one person one way, another person another way. It means you don't you know, pay income tax on some of your income and you hide some of your income. It means you always operate out of a complete, undivided um, aspect of life. And, and really, when you do that, then people know what they're getting. And if they know what they're getting, then they can trust you. So if somebody comes to you and you told them a lie once before, well, then they ask you a question, and then they and you give them the answer. Well, they don't know if you're telling the truth or if you're hedging your bets or you're lying, right? So that your influence wanes because they back away from you. Figuratively, they back away from you. Uh, and, and actually, sometimes, literally, they back away from you. They won't do business with you anymore. So it's really about making sure that you are who you are. And you don't change it up from one situation to another situation. It's, it's, it's really important. What I found is, is that people don't understand integrity as it relates to them. Here's why. Um, when, when someone else does something wrong, right, if someone wrongs us, uh, what do we want? We want uh, retribution or we want revenge or we want compensation or, you know, whatever, right? Uh, that's our natural reaction because we see what they did and they did something wrong, and they broke our trust. Now, here's the problem, though. When we do something wrong, when we make a mistake or we sin or we treat someone uh, in a way that we shouldn't have or we do a bad deal or something like that, we don't look at our actions. When we're judging, our, when we're judging others, we judge their actions. When we judge ourselves, we judge our intentions. And we say, well, I didn't mean to do that. But here's the, here's the problem. The other person isn't judging our intentions. They're judging our actions, right? So we are actually monitoring our own actions a different way than the way everybody else is. So what's funny is, is I'll ask the question to, to audiences. I'll say, um, how many of you think we have an integrity problem today? You know, all you open up the newspaper, politicians, religious leaders, business people. How many of you would say we have an integrity problem? 80% of the hands go up. Then I'll ask a follow-up question. Okay, how many of you would say that you, personally, speaking of yourself, have little or no integrity? And nobody ever raises their hand. Nobody ever raises their hand and says, yep, that's me, lie, cheat, and steal. That's how I get my business done. <laughs> right. So what, what is funny is, is everybody's saying, yes, we've got a problem. No, I'm not part of it. And so to me, that's really fascinating. And what it made me realize is the reason why we judge it differently, because we judge everybody else's actions, we judge our intentions. 
problem is uh, everybody else is judging our actions. So we have to make sure that our actions line up, that they are the same, operating out of the same set, single set of morals, ethics, and values in every situation that we find ourselves in. Man, you just uh, you just stepped on my toes there, Chris, because if my wife hears this, she's going to say, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what happens in all of our arguments, you know, because you're totally right. It's a, and that is, that's really where my mind went as soon as you said that. When when my wife and I are in a conflict about something we did that, you know, hurt the other fe- uh, other's feelings or, or, or did, we didn't jive with, uh, you know, the action. So, so she states, you know, gosh, you did this. And I'm going, cut, cut that, that would, give me a break. That was not my intent. And you're right. right you're right. so right. I mean, right. that's a great. Literally, I, I gotta, I gotta take this part, this clip, and and uh, have my wife. We need to talk about this because it's it's literal. And I, of course, I say it in that, and I know it's coming out everywhere. How true that's that itself. When we judge others, we look at their actions. When we judge ourselves, we look at our intentions. Man, that's something to stew on there for a good while. Yeah, and and you think about how we can control our actions. You talk about your wife, right? You know, you're in an argument with your wife, and you're mad. And, She's mad, and you know maybe maybe uh, voices get raised or something like that, and, and and then the doorbell rings, right? And what do you do? You run over, you answer the door. Hey, how's it going? Right? You have control over the way you act, and you know you, you can instantaneously change, right? And so that's what we need to do. We need to do it whether it's with our spouse or with another business partner or something like that. We need to control ourselves and pretend almost like the doorbell just rang, right? Because that doorbell is that trigger that oh, I need to stop being this way and I need to go back to acting rightly. And so I always think about, you know, people like, well, I can't really control it, or I got so mad, or, you know, I found myself in this situation. Well, you still have a choice about how you're going to act. You have to reintegrate yourself. You have to pull yourself back into integrity and operate out of that single set of morals, ethics, and values. Before Tom chimes in with a point, I want to make a quick call out to those doing e-commerce and taking payments online. Braintree is the source for easy mobile payments. Uh, Maybe you're working on the next Uber or Airbnb or GitHub. Then why not use the same simple payment solutions that help them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless. It's almost magical. Uh, Add it to your app with just a few lines of code and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, they're going to support that too. Braintree's fast payouts and continuous support mean you'll always be ready whether you're earning your first dollar or your billionth. See fewer abandoned carts, shopping carts online, and more sales with Braintree's best in-class mobile checkout experience. So check it out at braintreepayments.com slash Ziggler. Again, that's braintreepayments.com slash Ziggler. So Chris, I got a question for you. I know you've got kids, you've got grandkids, and you know this integrity thing, it starts at home. And one of the challenges that parents face is that uh, one of our kids will, you know, they'll break a rule, they'll stay out past curfew, they'll take the car when they weren't supposed to, they'll do something. And, yeah. you know, and, and that rules violation, you know, that's what kids do. But then they try to cover it up uh, with a lie. Like, I don't know, the reason I missed curfew was blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and then we know that blah, blah, blah didn't happen, right? So now we've got not only is it a mistake, but it's, it's been multiplied and compounded to like this ultimate degree because it's really, an, it's really getting into integrity, right? Because the simple truth is your kid was having fun and they looked up and it was 12.15 and they were supposed to be home at 12, and, yeah. and, but then they couldn't come clean on it. So – how do you counsel a parent to get to the root co- the root problem here with their child when they find out that they're making up their excuse, which is a much bigger deal than being late? And how would you counsel uh, a child or somebody else who's made the mistake of trying to cover up and you know a mistake with with a with a lie that gets caught? How do you how do you bring those two back together? 
Yeah, well, you know, when you were saying that, when you were talking about uh, when you were talking about kids covering it up, it reminds me. You know, I do a little bit of political consulting, and they always say in politics, it's not the it's not the sin or the problem that gets you; it's the cover up that gets you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows if uh, if Richard Nixon wouldn't have started all the cover up, he might have finished out his term or something, right? And it's always the cover up that gets you. So uh, when I think about dealing with kids or whatever, you know, you have you have sort of two angles, right? You have the discipline angle, right? Okay, you came home at twelve thirty, you knew it was twelve, you're you're almost in a adult, you, you have a mind to be able to think and understand you were rational, you understood. So here's the deal. There's going to be some punishment or there's going to be some, uh, you know, some consequences to your actions. So that's the immediate, you deal with that immediate situation. I think the, the really important thing is not just the, the punishment or the discipline or the consequences, which you have to have, right? But you also have to have helping them understand. They have to understand why it's important to have a that integrity. They have to understand why it's important to uh, to submit to authority, really, with their parents, and and understand that there are rules for a purpose. Um, and so there's the two aspects. There's the discipline, and then there's the helping them understand. And so I feel like, particularly with teenagers and kids, you have to maintain a, a relationship. Uh, you you know, if you want your kids to listen to you. Uh, when you're disciplining them and helping them understand why their behavior wasn't uh, wasn't good, you got to go out and throw the football with them on a regular basis. You got to make sure you're at their games. You got to make sure that you're you're loving them and tucking them into bed and telling them you love them. Because if you don't have that kind of relationship with your kids, then when it comes time to discipline them, then they're not gonna they're not gonna listen to you because they don't have a relationship. Relationship allows you to discipline because they know that the discipline comes from a source of love and a source of care and a source of, of respect and, and all those kinds of things. So for parents, I guess I would say, you know, you have to make sure that you have a relationship with your kids, especially as they get older and they become more autonomous and they start thinking for themselves. And that three or four year period when they think you're the dumbest guy on earth, right? even if you have a good relationship, there's about a three or four year period where they, you know, they think you're the dumbest guy on earth and boy, how did you ever make it to 40? Cause I'm 17 and I know the whole thing. Right. Uh, but then for kids, I would just say, you know, if there are kids or teenagers listening, it's just really understanding that, that your folks, they love you. They've been, you know, this isn't their first rodeo. They've been around the block. They're not just making up arbitrary rules like, you know what, you got to be home at 1147. They're, they're, they're picking a time that they feel is of your best interest to make sure that you're home and safe and, and you know, those kinds of things. And, um, and it's, it's important. And that's hard for teenagers, I think, to understand. But again, if you have a good relationship with them and they know that you love them and care for them and that you're looking for their best interests, they're going to be more likely to listen. And they're not always going to listen because they're teenagers, but they're going to be more likely to listen and uh, and more likely to uh, to understand that and respect that. And and I just think that that's very important. And, it, and you know, my kids were certainly not perfect, but um, I felt like we had a good, good uh, relationship with them and they understood it. And when we did have to discipline them, we were fair. Uh, they were never over-disciplined and they understood the consequences going in and, and coming out of it. So I, I think that just open, honest communication and relationship is really key to, to helping your kids understand that. Yep, I've heard. Uh, I don't know who I heard this. I might give Dad credit because I know he quoted if it wasn't his. But he said, "Rules without relationship leads to rebellion." So yeah, you said, absolutely. You said the same thing just then. We've got to have the relationship, or otherwise, the rules will lead to rebellion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because. That's really what a kid wants is a relationship. They might not look like it. They might not act like it. They might not say it. But ultimately, I think every child wants their parents to love them and approve of them. You know, uh, Tom, you guys have probably named Kevin. You've read it too, the book, The Blessing. Uh, every child wants the blessing. They want the, the mom and the dad to, to be proud of them and to love them and to believe in them. And so it's important for us as parents, because we're the adults, to give that blessing and to make sure that our kids uh, know that we love them. I used to, when I tuck my kids into bed, I would say, I love you. And they'd say, I love you too. And I'd say, do you know that I love you? And they'd say, yes, I know that you love me. I said, do you feel that I love you? Yes, I feel that I love you. I wanted them to, to feel it on every angle, to hear it, to feel it, to, to know it, you know, emotionally, intellectually. Um, I wanted them to be able to, to know that I love them. Well, hey, that's this is we've hit marriage and parenting. This we've gotten deep here. I want to I want to hit this overall issue, Chris, of when we talk about integrity, we talk about trust, and I can see a lot of people listening to this. I mean, we have we have an incredible audience of of people who are here, 
because they are exceptional people and they probably don't feel like I don't have some blatant issue. I'm not a dishonest person. I don't lie, cheat and steal. You know, my weaknesses, it's, you know, it's socially acceptable stuff. Now, so coming back to your talk where you said small cracks don't bring down a dam, big cracks can, and small cracks lead to big. And it made me think of that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And if it doesn't add up, it doesn't. But I mean, we all expect strengths and weaknesses that we we're not perfect people. We're not superhuman. And so I can hear people again thinking, you know, gosh, to expect to be crack free isn't really realistic. But you said this in in regards to integrity. So I'm asking you, to specifically list out what are some tangible integrity, small cracks that people need to be aware of. Again, we're not talking strengths and weaknesses and, and, and being superhuman, but, but in integrity, this is what I, this is what I felt. I heard you say sure. when you're talking integrity, small cracks are dangerous. So just give us, expound on that a little bit. All right. So I always use this example. You know, the guys from Enron, the guys, got, the guys from Enron, they got caught stealing hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think those guys walked in one day and said, you know what? We got a couple hundred million dollars here. Let's steal it. I don't think it started out that way. They didn't start with the big crack. And of course we don't, we don't know because we can't go back through their life and see the little areas when we weren't seeing them. Right. But here's the way it works. You're working in the mail room. You're 24, 25. You got to pay your bills and you don't have the money for stamps. And you look over and there's a little booklet of stamps and you go, yeah, you know what? I don't keep this little booklet of stamps. It's got to be that big a deal. And then, you know, pretty soon you're, you're moving up the ladder and you finally get your first sales gig and you're, you're uh, out on the road and, and you see something you want to bring it home for your wife, right? And it's a little gift or something. And, well, the business is tight, but you know what? They don't pay me enough anyway. I'm just going to put this on my expense account. You buy a little $75 bracelet or something like that. You bring it home to your wife. The company pays for it. Nobody ever knows, right? And pretty soon you're, you see how this works? It starts out stealing stamps, and next thing you know, you're the CEO, and you're swiping a couple hundred million dollars. That's the way it works. The small cracks grow into big cracks. Same way with, I use the example of the hydroelectric dams. They start out of small cracks, and they grow, and they grow. That's why they, the engineers have to really look at them. So I would say lying, you know, lying and, and not being completely honest, um, those are small cracks. Um, stealing. Uh, even if it's a small little thing, those are small cracks. And what we have to do is we have to reintegrate, right? So everybody sins, everybody makes mistakes, everybody breaks their own moral code from time to time. Uh, it, I'm always reminded of the old Catholic theologian G.K. Chesterton. He said, original sin is the only philosophy empirically validated by 3,500 years of human history, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody makes mistakes and does things wrong. Even if they have their own moral code, we still break it from time to time. So let's think about that word, um, integrate. Uh, or if you want to integrate, which it also shares that root word of integer and integrity. If you integrate something, you bring it together, right? So imagine your life being represented by a, a pole, perhaps, a, a tall pole of some sort, and some chips get taken off. And those chips are when we break our integrity. And now it's not whole anymore. It's, it's the big main part, but now you've got the little chips that are laying back down around the, around the surface, right? And so what you do is, is you can reintegrate those chips. You can pick those chips up, you can put them back on, you can glue them in, you can sand them down, you can put a little something on them, and, and it looks good again. You reintegrate. So when you make a mistake, when you, when you catch yourself, you know, somebody asks you a question and you're surprised by it, so you tell a lie. What you need to do is, is you need to come back to that person. You know what? I was less than honest with you. In fact, I lied to you. Here's the deal. Um, here's, here's the real answer. And what that does is it, it shows the person that you understand that it was wrong. It shows the person that you're taking responsibility for it. And then it shows the person that you want to be honest, you want to have integrity, and you reintegrate yourself. Um, maybe you're a business owner and you get ticked off at one of your staff members and you chew them out in front of a couple of other members, right, um, employees or something like that. And now you, you, you feel bad about it. You know you shouldn't have done it. Yeah, they might have even done something wrong, but you know you shouldn't have chewed them out. You certainly shouldn't have, have done it publicly. So here's what you do. You've, you've lost integrity. So the next time you have a staff meeting, you pull them together. It's your regular Monday morning staff meeting. You say, hey, look, before we start, I got to I gotta say something here. You guys were in the room last week. Joe, you know, I, I, was, I was not treating Joe right. I chewed him out. That was not something I should have done. I want to apologize to you guys. I want you guys to know that as an owner, business owner, um, I'm committed to treating my employees in a much better way than that. 
Joe, I certainly apologize to you. I hope that you'll forgive me. So what you've done is you've not only reconciled with Joe, you've not only demonstrated integrity with Joe, you've not, not only reintegrated your relationship with Joe, but you're doing it for the people that saw you do it. Because the folks who saw you do it, you might not have chewed them out, but they saw you chew somebody out. Now they know you're willing to chew somebody out. Uh, maybe they, maybe you're driving down the road and the client calls and you got one of your employees next to you and the client says, Hey, did you mail that thing? And you look in your back seat and there it is. And you go, yeah, yeah, I think that went out in the mail last Tuesday. Right. And then you rush down to the post office. Okay. So you didn't lie to your employee, but your employee now knows you're willing to lie. Right. And so the next time they come to you and they say, Hey, you know, you told me you were about giving me a raise if I hit my numbers this quarter. And you say, well, next quarter, I promise. Well, now they think about the time that you told them you already shipped that thing, and they know you're willing to lie. So when we break our moral code, we have to go back and reintegrate. We have to make sure that people understand that we own it, that we're responsible for it, and that we're correcting it, and we're bringing it back into integrity. Well, and that, that brings up something. I mean, you just said when, and that, I, was gonna, I was making notes on this, and then you literally said it, when we break our moral code – in essence, you're saying, because we are, we're not perfect. We, we can't be perfect yeah. with integrity. So what I hear you saying there is in essence, it's having humility and coming back in there. There's, if you're going to have integrity, you're going to make a lot of confessions. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's part of leadership. You know, I, I, I knew a pastor once and, uh, you know, you guys know, I used to be a pastor for 14 years and, and this pastor, you say, never admit your mistakes to your congregation. Mm. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, the only way that they're going to be able to hear what I talk about is if they know that I made mistakes, but it's how I dealt with the mistakes. It's how I, it's how I brought myself back to integrity. It's how I tried to honor God in, in when I did make mistakes. That's how you, that's how you lead as an example. It's not pretending that, you know, that you're perfect and that, you know, you're, you're the one guy in the whole congregation that, that, you know, follows God or whatever. I used to say to my congregation, I'd say, if you knew, if you knew half of what went through my brain, you wouldn't come to church here. Mm-hmm. And they'd, they'd all kind of laugh. They'd think I was funny. I'd say, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't laugh. If I knew what half of what went through your brain, I wouldn't let you come to church here. Right? <laughs> so, you know, we're all in that, we're all in that mix of, of living this broken life and trying to, trying to keep ourselves in, in integrity and hold each other accountable, hold ourselves accountable, but understanding fully that we all make mistakes and we have to love one another. We have to forgive one another. We have to be accepting of one another. And it starts with doing that and holding ourselves accountable and, and being humble. Hey, Chris, it, it reminds me of, of uh, back in the day when I was selling product at the back of a seminar room. This actually happened in Portland, not too far from your neck of the woods. Yeah. A, guy, a guy comes up to the table, and, and he holds up a product, and, and he's got a tear in his eye, and he says, you know, your dad saved my, my job and my marriage. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I heard him speak, and your dad said, no matter what, tell the truth. And he said, I went home and I realized that I didn't tell the truth. And I go, well, how did that save your marriage and your job? And he said, well, I had two big problems. He said, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. So my boss would say, hey, is the report going to be ready on Tuesday? And I knew it wasn't going to be ready on Tuesday, but I knew he wanted it on Tuesday. So I said, yeah, it'll be ready on Tuesday. And then Wednesday afternoon or Thursday, I'd give it to him. And then he said, my wife, my wife would call me and she'd say, hey, are you going to be home for dinner tonight at 6? And I said, yeah, I'll be home by 6. And, of course, he said, I knew I wouldn't. I had too much to do. It would be 7, 7.30 or whatever. And he said, that's the way I ran my life. And one day yeah. I went in after hearing Zig, and I just went in, and, and I told my boss. I said, hey, no matter what the truth is, I'm just going to tell you. And so the boss said, is the paper going to be, is the report going to be ready on Tuesday? He said, no, it'll be ready at Wednesday by 2. And the boss said, thank you very much. I don't really care when the report's in. I just need to know so I can schedule it, and it has to be in by a certain deadline. That's plenty of time. Thank you. And then yeah, his, wife, his, his wife calls and says, are you going to be home at dinner for 6? And he said, no, I can make it at 7. And she said, okay, fine. He gets home at 7, and she's happy. And he said, well, aren't yeah. you upset that we're having dinner late? And she said, no, I really only care about having dinner with you. I just want to make sure that we're together and it's ready. Change yeah, the life change this life just a little principle about how telling the truth changes everything and I, and I you know dad's quote I think it might have been in the segment was with integrity you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting on again. You guys are just you're you're in my business today because I I mean this is one right <laughs> there. I don't know if you remember the book, Chris, or if you guys read it. It was. Uh, uh, I think his name, uh, Chris Brogan, uh, years back, trust agents. And he had a little, he had like four areas of trust. And I, and I read there and realized that of those four areas, and I was leading a big organization at the time of those four areas, three of them, I really excelled in and it helped me overcome the fourth area where I eroded trust. And it never occurred to me until they talked about it. It was ultimately around the area just of consistency. I am, I was not, and I struggled to be a consistent guy. I like to be spontaneous. I like to change on a whim and it's, it's, it's fun for me, but for other people, it arose trust starting again, going back to my wife. That was one of her things. She says, I love your heart and your intent, but you over promise and under deliver a lot. And my thought was, gosh, I shoot for the stars. And if I only make it to the next ridge, at least I'm further along. She says, yeah, but when you shoot for the stars, I prepare for the stars. When we don't make it. I'm let down and that erodes trust. There's been a thread in in my marriage and in my relationships overall, and it is today that I erode. I have this uh, specific area. And so it's it's on that, Chris, that I was wondering as people are hearing this. And again, I think most people who are listening to this show would be of high integrity, at least by intent. But there probably are some key areas that all of us, you know, struggle with and we erode our trust. How do we see those? Because we know that we can't see ourselves fully. I mean, maybe I wish there was a personality test I could take that would say, hey, here are your key areas that you erode trust in your life. How killer would that be? And I, I don't know, maybe there are some aspects, resources, tools that you know of, even if it's just to get counseling, whatever, to to help you see yourself clearly and, and see where you are handicapping yourself because you erode trust here and you just don't know it. Your intent's great, but you don't well, know. Here's, here's, here's what I used to do when I had a staff. I, I, I don't have a staff anymore, but I used to have a staff. And, uh, and I would bring them together about once a year. And I did what was called a follower's evaluation. And we'd sit around a big table. And I'd, I'd sit at the head of the table and I had, I'd have a yellow legal pad. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to let you guys talk. I won't respond. I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to defend. I'm just going to listen. And uh, I might ask a clarifying question, but that's the extent of what I'll do. And then each of my staff members got a chance to go around the around the uh, table, and I would ask them the same four questions: um, What is my greatest strength? What is my greatest weakness? Uh, what should I uh, continue doing to be a great leader? What should I stop doing because it's hindering me from being a great leader? And then, a, and then, sort of a catch-all: Is there anything else that you think I need to know as the leader of this organization? Mm-hmm. And it took a while um, because they don't, you know, they, they're like, oh, are we really tell this guy what we think? Or is he going to blow his back? Or am I going to lose my job? Or, you know, whatever. But once you do that, and, you, and what I would do is I would take it away. Once the, once the meeting was over, I'd take it away and I'd read it and I'd think about it. And I'd, I'd ask, is that true? Is that, you know, is, that, uh, is that accurate? Or is it semi-accurate? Or what do I need to learn from that? Or, or even if it's not accurate, why does that person think that? And, uh, and it really became a, a great place of self-reflection for me. I remember a, a great story from a, one of my staff members. Um, she, she said to me, you know, she said, I grew up and uh, my dad, I was a girl and I was sort of a tomboy and I always wanted to play catch. But my dad didn't really want to play catch with a girl, uh, but he did it because he was my dad and, and he, he would take me out in the backyard and we'd play and he'd throw the ball to me. And then when I'd throw it back to him, uh, if he didn't have to move, if he just stood there and I threw the ball to him and it hit him in the mitt uh, or it hit him where all, you know, he just had to bend a little bit one way or the other, then he would catch it and throw it back to me. But if I threw it on the ground and it rolled past him or if I threw it wide and it went past him, I had to go get the ball and bring it back and throw it to him again. Hmm. She said he was basically lazy. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay. And uh, she said, I feel like communicating with you is like that sometimes. If I hit it right down the pipe, you listen and you'll agree and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll take it. But if it gets anywhere outside of what you're, you know, what you're, what you're comfortable with, or if it's easily, if it's not easily understandable or something like that, then, uh, then, then I feel like you don't really, you don't really make much of an effort in regard to communicating. And I, and I just like that hit like a ton of bricks, right? Mm-hmm. Basically saying you're a lazy communicator when it comes to listening. You make everybody else do the work. And if it's easy for you to get, then, then we're in business. If it's not easy for you to get, then we're not in business. Yeah. And that, boy, I bet she told me that, 
had to been mid nineties. So, you know, we're talking 20 years ago. I still use that illustration. I still try and remind myself of that because uh, I am a little bit lazy when it comes to listening. I think a lot of us are right, but it was, it was, I would have never gotten that information had I not opened myself up to a friend or a follower to give me that feedback. So I guess the point of this is, is, uh, how you want to know what your, your weaknesses are? Do you want to know how you fail? Do you want to know where you might have some integrity problems? Ask the people who work with you, ask the people who know you, and then be willing to listen. Be, be willing to set your pride aside, be willing to give them a, a comfortable, safe place where they can tell you and then, and then beyond, you know, deal with it and, and make sure that you don't respond differently than you said you would, but be a person who listens and uh, takes it away, gives it thoughtful consideration, and then makes the changes that's needed. Chris, I think you just spoke terror into the lives of many people. <laughs> I mean, I it's hear scary. you because I was, that was going to be my question. So you're saying, ask those who are close to you. And you know, I just shared obviously that my, I won't say it's easy, but I'm grateful to have a wife uh, who has done that with me, but that takes some strong relationships or some, well, I don't want to say thick skin, but some, some self-confidence because that's, that's laying it out there. That's talk about, it reminds me of a, uh, uh, you're probably familiar with Brene Brown. She's got the book that I'm going to forget the title of it. She speaks on, you know, guys, uh, one of those TED Talks went viral speaking on vulnerability. Dude, that is vulnerable uh, right oh, there. Yeah, and you want to pick people You want to pick people who love you. I've got three or four friends that I know. I know that they love me, and they can tell me they're disappointed in me. They can tell me that I'm making a mistake. They can tell me whatever they can tell me, but I know that they love me. I know they're not doing it for selfish reasons. I know they're doing it because they care about me. You do it with your trusted employees. You know, there's an old proverb that says wounds from a friend can be trusted. And so, yeah, it's wounding when someone tells you you're being an idiot. Right? It's, it's wounding when someone tells you that they, they're disappointed because you weren't honest or, you know, whatever it might be. It feels like a wound. But that wound can be trusted if it comes from someone who you know loves you, cares about you, wants your career to succeed, wants your family to succeed. Uh, so picking the right people is important. Okay. Well, Hey, we, we have, I got time for one more question. I'm going to hit it right here. And I probably left 10 on the table. We might have to do a show again someday. Cause, uh, so this is, this is deep and this is rich, but so on that though, we're talking about asking those who, you know, who are close to you, who you work with, who you live and breathe with those who you really know. Now, one, you, you did say, you know, wisely pick those don't maybe don't pick the one you have so much strife one, but somebody who, you know, has your best interest in mind, who, who does love you, but it's going to be a wound, but we go through that obviously for a benefit. So I'm going to ask you and Tom, if you've got something to put in there on, okay, but if you're willing to do that, this is the benefit on the other side of creating that strength and increasing your integrity and trust, because as you guys know you've experienced it. There is a rock hard benefit to this. I mean, there's a bottom line. You don't do this just because you're trying to inflict wounds on yourself. You do this to better yourself. And the benefits are speak to that as we wrap up. I think the benefits are in an altruistic sense, you become a better person. You become the person God intended you to become. That's the, that's the altruistic sense. That's the sort of, uh, ethereal sense, right? But then the, the real practical, pragmatic thing is if you become a more honest person, if you become a more forthright person, if you become a more trustworthy person, you're going to make more sales. You're going to make more repeat sales. You know, there is a bottom line. There's a top line and there's a bottom line. And ultimately, you know, we want to become the person that God wants us to become. Uh, we want to live our lives. You get one life, right? And you want to get to the end of it and have no regrets. You want to be able to say, I lived life well. Uh, but then there's the practical benefit of it, uh, that you're going to make more money, you're going to have more fun, you're going to have better relationships. And even if something does go wrong and maybe you lose your job or you don't make that sale, at least you sleep at night. At least you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you're doing what's right. So to me, those are the benefits, very, very practical benefits. Yeah, the, the benefits, not only are they practical, but that, that saying, if I can trust you with a little, I can trust you with a lot. And we are not given the big opportunities in life, I think, many times because people see us fumble the little opportunities. And usually, sure. and it's usually how we handle the gray area. So somebody who's willing to stand up and take the heat when they make a mistake uh, in the little things, 
then they gain the respect and the trust from those who would love to give somebody more responsibility, but they can't until they know they can count on them. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, this is, again, there's so much to this. I hope that this unpacked the issue of integrity and trust and the necessity and the some tools and resources to, to bolster that. Um, now, now, folks, on this, I mean, Chris, uh, his website, you can find him at chriswidener.com, and that's W-I-D-E-N-E-R.com. Uh, so go there. That's where his book is, as we talked about previously in the intro. Uh, that's where you can find info on his one-on-one uh, coaching, his private coaching. And uh, folks, I would say, I mean, from me be do, doing a, a lifetime of coaching and, and consulting as well, sometimes I had people say, you know what, it was worth paying you just to get some insight on myself, aside from what they might have been the product or service I had at the forefront on that. As you hear Chris talking about this, it may be contracting with him to help get some insight on how you are sabotaging yourself or you're just hindering your progress for success. So go check out chriswidener.com uh, and get involved with them there. Chris, I, I assume they can, there's an easy contact if somebody wants to get a hold of you personally there. Yep. If they uh, just hit the coaching tab, it, it ends up being chriswidener.com forward slash private dash coaching. Uh, there's a form there. They can read through what we do and how we do it, and it's all personalized. I never take more than 10 clients at a time uh, because I always want to make sure that I'm giving full effort and, and I understand the people I'm working with and I know them very well. I know what their lives are all about. Uh, if they like that idea, then they can fill out a form. That form comes it gets emailed directly to me, and uh, and then I respond. We do a follow-up call, and we've we figure out if it's a good fit, if I can help you, if I'm the right person for you, and uh, and if you're a good client and a good fit for me, and uh, and if it's if it turns out that it is, then we get it set up and we get moving. Well, hey, thank you uh, again. Just thanks for sharing your heart, your insight, and your time, Chris. Um, just a blessing. I know it will gift so many people who are listening, folks. Thank you for tuning in with us. Always grateful to have you with the Ziggler Show. Can't wait to be back with you in the next one. Thank you.